Well, as, um, as promised, I uh, told you I'd share a little bit about my knee. Uh, my wife and I and family have talked to, for several years about going to Glacier Park in Montana. Uh, the glaciers are melting, which you may have heard, and so my wife is pretty passionate. She'd like to see some glaciers while they're still glaciers. So this summer we decided, okay, this is the summer to do it. So August 13th, uh, fortunately we flew out so that I could fly back. Um, and we went to Glacier, had a great time, did some crazy hiking stuff. And um, we have this see us up there as the family hiking up along a, a, a ridge. And then we come to the next slide and you can see just the beauty of the, of the creation. The um, Bible talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. And his creation says so much about him. And it's just fabulous to watch just standing in that situation and experiencing God. And so if you, you know, you can do that through the Boundary Waters or Yellowstone or Glacier, wherever. But I really want to encourage you to spend some time in those situations where you can just reflect on the beauty of God's creation. And then we turned a corner and here's a, just a glacier-fed lake that just is absolutely beautiful and clear. Every day we walked through and said, look at how clear the water is. I mean, and then the next day, seriously, look how clear the water is. So we spent um, uh, most of the days at Glacier, and then we had a couple days um, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and, and in Spokane on the way out. But So the last day we were at Glacier, we, my kids wanted to fish, and so we uh, got them a fishing pole and took them down the lake, and my wife and I were going to go on a little hike. And so I turned around and I said, okay, let's go, and I said, oh, I was going to give them some money for a snack. Well, I walked up to the... Um, to just this embankment on a lake, just like in hundreds of times I've done in Minnesota, and took a step, and the, the stones start to slide out of your underneath your feet, and you take another step. And, but my toe got caught in a rut, and so I tumbled, and I ended up sitting on my bottom with my knee, my left knee, up, and there's a, a, a fairly decent-sized chunk right uh, at the top of my thigh that wasn't really supposed to be there. And so I immediately thought I broke my leg. I mean, I, I thought, I, and here I am, you know, in, kind of in the middle of nowhere. There's a lodge right there, but pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And, and so the next um, picture then, we celebrated our uh, uh, tri- trip, finished our glacier trip at a wonderful hospital in Whitefish, Montana. They were great. It was wonderful. And then I just thought I would share. Um, so this little part here where the legs come together is where your kneecap belongs, and this would be my kneecap up there. And so, luckily, it turns out, and then you can turn that off, because there's several people that go, oh, they're, they're not going to be able to function the rest of the morning because they saw the kneecap. But, so it turns out, uh, pretty quickly, a woman came up that was there and saw it and came up and said, oh, I think that's your kneecap. I thought, oh, it's my kneecap, which isn't good, but it's better than my thigh poking out of my leg. So um, we were good to go at that point. And so... Um, Basically, I've had very little pain. They immobilized it, and then uh, we continued our trip. We, I didn't zip line, which I had planned to do, my, but my kids and, and wife zip lined while I took a nice little nap in a, in a resort on a leather couch. So that's not all bad either. Uh, and then we were able to rent a wheelchair and do Coeur d'Alene the next day and luckily fly home. And so then I um, had surgery the next day on last, it would be a week ago Wednesday. So basically, I just have to keep it straight for a month. And so here I am. And I encourage people, and I even ask the doctor, you know, before I went into surgery, I'm preaching in 10 days. Do you think that'll be a problem? Nah, it'll be fine. So, and then I saw the doctor uh, this week, and he said, yeah, you can move without crutches and things. So those of you that are concerned that he really should have crutches, or why isn't he in a wheelchair, or a walker, the doctor's giving me permission to do this. We're all good to go. But enough about me. What I love about the service today is just the breadth of church life that you get to see. Uh, we started with the beauty of life and dedicating to God. 
uh, and just taking new life and just um, knowing that God created those children the way they are. And these parents are bringing them to, to um, in front of the church congregation and the church body and saying, um, we want to pledge these to, to raise these kids in the Christian faith. And what a, what a beauty of a new life and dedicating to God. Uh, then we also had to, got to worship a little bit who God is and praise him. I have the opportunity to share a few truths to you about everyday life and how do we follow God. And then we, we finish with communion and celebrating just the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. And so I'm just really excited about today, and, and I, I'm glad you guys took the opportunity on this holiday weekend to join us. So let's pray. Lord, you are an awesome God. I praise you for um, how significant you are, how you care for us, whether it's young babies or old people or anywhere in between, and how you love us and, and are committed to us. I pray that you would give us wisdom today as we look at how can we uh, relate to you and how do we relate to our burdens and our cares and, and do you really, you really care for us? And Lord, I, I just pray that that would be evident in our hearts and evident in our lives as we um, seek you. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, the passage I want to look at today is First Peter 5, starting in verse 5. And it says, In the same way, You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And I'm really going to focus, um, starting in verse 7 today, where the cast all your anxieties on him. But I, I want you to see, um, I started in verse 5, just to show you that, that this is couched in being humble. And I, I would love to do a whole sermon on humility. I, I love the idea of humility and dealing with who we are in God's eyes and in our eyes and our world and how that relates to each other. And so someday I may have that opportunity to do the humility sermon. But um, I just want you to know that couched in this is, hu- is humility. God calls us to be humble. And God opposes the proud. And so when we start in verse 7, then it says, Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. And so when I read a verse like that, I immediately think of fishing. Because we cast in a a fishing thing. So I brought a fishing pole today. And um, so when you take... And how many of you would say you're hardcore fisherman type purple? Some? Few? I heard on the news the other day that one in four people fish. And I thought that was a little low, to be honest. But that, I think, is because I know lots of fisher people that are, are fairly significantly committed to this gig. I personally am not one of the people fairly significantly committed to this gig. But I get the idea that fishing is a, is a fun event that they go out and enjoy. It's just not something I enjoy. So, but the idea fascinates me because you would take this thing, and I have this some string on here, and you would cast it out. And so I didn't have, um, I couldn't find a good sound effect, so I'd like you to be the sound effect for casting today. So when I cast the fishing pole, you just make that sound, and then it plops in the water, and we'll be good. So when you fish, you take that and you cast that out. Oh, excellent. Did you see how good I was? Look how far that went. It went for a long time. We didn't get a very good plop at the end, but maybe we're not using a bobber today. So, And so oftentimes, um, especially if you're younger, or in certain situations where you've got to stay out of the bottom of the of the lake, you would use a bobber. 
And so you'd hook a bobber on there and you'd cast that out. Oh, you are sharp. Excellent. And this bobber would plop in there. And, and basically the bobber gives you feedback of what's happening. Because then you can tell, is there a fish on there? Is it stuck in somewhere? Uh, as a, where did it go? Uh, and, and you can also just use the lures and that kind of thing and um, do that without the bobber. But a lot of times it, it's a matter of casting. You cast it out and then you bring it back to look at it, to see how you're coming. And then you cast that again. Excellent. And you, it plops in there and you get to watch it and you cast it and you roll it back in. And I think that's oftentimes what we look at when we hear verses like, cast all your cares upon him. I think we're really good at casting cares in the same way we are fishing, where we throw our cares. Because God is saying, take your cares, and in this situation, I would, I'll replace anxiety, cares, burdens. All of those are the same kind of concept. The things that are concerning to you, the things that you carry, the things that might, you might not be able to handle yourself, any of those things, you're casting upon God. And so, because he cares for you. And so God calls us to do that. And so oftentimes we cast our cares upon him. And then they re- we reel that thing back and go, let's see how God did. And wait, my care is still there. And so we cast that out again. And we reel it back in. And we look and we look and we look. And that's where we get into trouble. Because oftentimes then we look and we say, well, God's not really doing anything. I keep looking at my cares and they're not gone. I think that's different than what this verse talks about. This verse, the the word there with cast really means more to throw. Casting with fishing is something you do over and over and over and over and over and over again if you don't like it, and just over and over again if you do like it. So, But the casting, the word there, is really to throw and to do it once and for all. So it's more like a javelin. I don't know how many of you watch the Olympics, but they have this javelin that's just this long piece of metal that's five, six feet long. And I didn't bring one of those today, mostly because they're a little harder to transport. They're, they're not really readily available. And one of our values in church is that you can come and not be impaled by a large metal object. So, yeah, accidental or otherwise. Either way, we're not real happy. We're not real pleased with that kind of thing. So I didn't bring a javelin. But if you watch that at all, they take this javelin and they run along the side. And I won't demonstrate that to you today because I'd like this sermon to be memorable, but not because I'm laying on the ground writhing in pain. And so you would take the javelin and you'd hop across and you just chuck that thing. And they throw that thing for a long, long way. And that's the concept of casting your cares, casting your anxieties upon Jesus, is that we throw those things out and we're done. And we don't reel them back in. We don't look at them. We don't try to figure out if God's doing anything with them. But we give them to him in, a, in just a real committed way. And if we're going to cast our cares upon Jesus or cast our anxieties upon God, then I, we need to ask a few questions. First of all, what are we casting? So if we're going to cast our anxieties or burdens, what, what, are, what's, what kind of stuff is, falls into that category? Well, burdens fit into the money. I think a lot of times the last couple of years uh, have been incredibly difficult, uh, whether it's job placement or um, cutbacks or uh, the value of your finances. A lot of us have gone through real cares and burdens about where are we at financially? Can we retire? Can we afford to feed our family? Can we do a lot of the things that we were hoping to do? Um, some of the burdens could be health-related, whether short-term health-related, long-term health-related, uh, relationships, unknown future, all of those things that we experience day to day and we have some anxiety about or we have some burdens about or we have some cares about, those are the things that God calls us to cast upon him. Uh, we, cast, we can cast sin to God. 
So often when we're living, we go, you know, there's these things that I got in my life that I just, I'm just not sure how to deal with that. And I know it's not pleasing to God, and yet I don't know what to do with that. That falls in the cast of that thing upon God. I think oftentimes control is something you cast to God. Um, and who is the God in the relationship? Do you want control of your life? Do you need control of your life? Or are you able to let that go? Uh, one of the burdens that you may be experiencing today, if you're like my children, is the end of the summer. School starts tomorrow. All right, uh, sorry, Tuesday. We're starting ahead. We're doing some studying at home. But no, school starts on Tuesday. They're not happy about that. That's a burden. That can even be an anxiety. Going to a new grade, a new school, new friends, different classes, all of that can be anxiety. And that's a great thing that we can cast upon God. So then it raises the question, well, why are we doing that? Why are we casting? Well, many times we're casting because we can't deal with something ourselves. Right? Uh, and we simply want freedom. We can't stand it anymore. We've experienced stuff, and we're trying to control it, and we just can't. And, and we need some freedom from that. I came across a couple different quotes that are just fabulous that I, I really enjoyed. One from Arthur Somers, I think it's Roche, quote says, Worry is the stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Isn't that a great quote? So worry is the stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. We saw that when we were in Glacier. You look up there and those, there's these huge monster glaciers. Um, some of those passes and things were open like in the middle of July. You want to talk short summer, ladies and gentlemen? If your pass isn't open until the middle of July, that's a little bit of a tiny window for me. Um, because you know it's coming back in like September. It's starting to snow. But these huge glaciers, they start to melt and they just trickle. And you can look up there and you just see this little trickle coming down. And then it gains with other little trickles and other little trickles and other little trickles. And pretty soon, oftentimes, it gets down to human uh, level. It's a huge waterfall and it's cutting through rock and creating a valley. And, just, and we look at that and go, wow, that's fabulous. Just because of the idea of the beauty and the intensity of that power that comes from that, worry can be the same way. We can have a small trickle of fear trickling through our mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained because everything starts to funnel into that. Oh, what about this? What about this? Why are we casting? Because I, we deal with fear. We deal with reality of life. We deal with things that are beyond what we can uh, comprehend or deal with. Oswald Chambers also has one that says fretfulness. Isn't that a great word? Fretfulness? I'm feeling fretful this morning. Not really, but I like to say the word. Fretfulness springs from the determination to get my own way. So often in the Bible, it talks about give that fear to God. Give that worry to God. Cast that anxiety upon him. Because the other option is us being fretful. And fretfulness springs from a determination to get my own way. If I want to insist that I'm going to be God in this relationship, that's a problem for our fretfulness and for our worry. The biggest reason why we're casting, because God tells us to. He says, cast those cares upon me because I, I care about you. And it's a command that he gives to us. And it acknowledges, it, in reality, it just helps us to acknowledge that God is God and we aren't in that relationship. And so how are we casting? Sometimes it's really difficult. We don't really know how to do that. If we want to have a care or a worry and we say, what do I do about that? Well, the Bible is clear that we have prayer and the Holy Spirit and um, spending time in the Bible. 
I think also we have a, the opportunity of a church family like this. Is Part of it is support. There's people that will come and help you with that and help you to, to cast those cares upon him. You've seen a number of videos lately of uh, the, uh, the counseling ministry that we have in our church, and we have prayer people that come up each, each um, Sunday at the end of the service simply because you can come up to them and say, I have a care. I have a care that I need to cast upon God. I have some anxiety that I have a, to cast on God. And come up and they'll help you do that. Because they're good at that and they get that. So I want to encourage that as we're talking about casting your cares and anxiety upon God, it's not a fishing experience. It's not throwing that out and bringing it back. It's a javelin experience where we're throwing that as far as we can. And we're acknowledging who God is. Which comes to the reality of who are we casting to? When I hurt my knee, I was um, in Montana and apparently, you know, there's the, the soul. I guess I skipped the part where I, I tore the tendon off or uh, the tendon off of my kneecap, and so the top tendon was fine. The bottom tendon was not fine, and so they, one of the things with timing of that is you have to do it in a certain amount of time, or that tendon starts to shrink, and then it becomes a bigger problem. So here I am in Whitefish, Montana. I'm pretty sure I don't want surgery in Whitefish, Montana. Nothing against the surgeons there, but I'm thinking that world-class surgery in the Twin Cities area sounds a little better. Plus, if I'm going to be laid up, the KOA cabin, not as comfortable as my couch with a TV, just as a general rule. So I called uh, an orthopedic surgeon that goes to our church, and I said, help me understand this. What should I be doing here? Should I stay here? Should I go home? How does that work? And he encouraged and said, yeah, you have to do it in 10 to, 10 to 14 days. So I had plenty of time. And so uh, you also want to, and he encouraged me, you want to have the surgery where you're going to get therapy. And so that obviously was at home. And so I cast, I had a care in that situation, and I cast it upon him because he's an orthopedic surgeon. Joel Bowers, who is our worship guy, is a great guy, but he's still feeling queasy about looking at that knee picture already. And I'm not going to call Joel Bowers and say, Joel, I got this care about my knee. What, you, what can you tell me? Uh, nothing against Joel Bowers. He's a great guy. If I want to talk about how am I serving God and how am I worshiping God, well, then Joel's one of my first calls. Joel has a great insight into, into uh, experiencing God and worshiping God that is far beyond what I have. And so it, it comes to the point of, at some point, we have to be able to say, who are we casting those cares upon? And that's where I think it's really important for us to be spending time in God's Word, spending time in the Bible, talking to people, seeing that God tell, talks about being omniscient and all-powerful and um, sacrificed his son for us. And, and just who he is, he's got to be big enough for us to cast those cares upon him, or it doesn't make all that much sense. So it, incredibly, and again, this is kind of a whole new, a whole other sermon getting to the, what are the characteristics of God and, and um, just who he is. And yet, if you have a small view of God and a small view of who he is, then I challenge you to think that's going to challenge you, your ability to care, cast your cares upon him. Because you're not going to have that much faith in him anyway. But if you see him as a really what the Bible describes him as, he's ultimately available, ultimately loves us, ultimately capable of taking our cares and anxieties and doing something with that. And as we cast that javelin, he takes those cares and just pushes them farther and farther beyond anything we could do. And that's a great picture of a God who is faithful, who loves us, who is committed to us. Oftentimes it's not, our God is not only big enough, but it's our significance isn't big enough. Oftentimes we have a significance problem. And that's where we look and say, you know, who am I that God is going to mess with this? 
Or this care is so small, what, what's God going to care about that? Yeah, that's just not biblical, ladies and gentlemen. If you look at the Bible, it talks about that we are knit together in our mother's womb. These babies that are up here today are, were knit together in our mother's womb. God knit them together and put them together on purpose. And the twins that are separate and different were knit together that way on purpose. And as much as Zachary looks like Alex, and he's a mini version of that, he's going to be a completely different person. And they begin to get along well together, but they're knit together in different ways. God, the Bible tells us that God's thoughts about us, if you were to count the thoughts that God has about his people, his creation, they would outnumber the sands of the sea. There's a lot of sand in the sea, ladies and gentlemen. That's a lot of thought. That's a lot of commitment. Psalm 139 talks about knowing us intimately. God knows when we sit down, when we stand up. He knows our heart. All of those things. God has created covenants with his people throughout the, the history of the Bible where it's, you, I will be your God and you will be my people. God sent Jesus to die for us. Second Corinthians says, Christ died for us so we would not live for ourselves. We're God's ambassadors. We're representatives of who God is. He gave us the Holy Spirit to teach us and challenge us. And he sent Jesus to die for us. How significant is that? We're kind of a big deal. Now, we have to go back to 1 Peter 5, 6 that talks about humble yourself. So we have to create that balance in that. And yet, there's a real significance that we are casting our cares on a, on a God who is big enough to take those cares and a God who cares about us enough to take those cares. And that's a key, key ingredient for us to understand. If we go back to the verse... In uh, verse 8, I just want to finish up with the idea that if we cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for you, verse 8 talks about, uh, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is only undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you into eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Do you see the significance of God there? He's the God who, um, sorry, I lost it in the thing, as the God of all grace. The God of all grace. That's a great concept. Who calls us to eternal glory. What a great calling for us. After you have suffered a little, he will restore you and bring you up to, res- to be strong and firm. But there's that little part in the eight, not verse 8 and 9 that says, resist the devil, who's your enemy. Satan is going to prowl around devouring people like lions. We live in a culture where Satan does, he doesn't have to be devour us in one fell swoop. He oftentimes comes and takes little bites at who we are and says, you know, you've got you to gotta do it this way. And there's a spiritual battle because it's easy for us to say, cast our anxieties and cares upon him. But we have to realize that there's this other dynamic happening at the same time. A couple of years ago, we had the opportunity to uh, go to Costa Rica to visit some friends. And uh, we went through, did this tour of the rainforest. And, and there was these things, these big old ficus trees, which are somewhat different than we have the ficus you have in your house. And yet, I think they're kind of related. And, but there's these big old trees where the dynamic is they would come and they would just, a seed from the ficus tree would come and land on another tree. And that seed would start to steal nutrients and sunlight from that original tree. And pretty soon it would grow, and it would start to grow from the tree and grow down to the ground. 
And so then it would get to the ground, and then it would get more nutrients and more sunlight and more of the things it needed, and then it would grow up and down at the same time. And so I have a picture of some of the ficus trees. So you'll see this string part here is the ficus surrounding. So this part, this part, this part in here is all the original tree. And so the ficus just starts from one little seed, and it grows down and around and up and down. And if you show the next slide, it just continues to grow, and you see more and more. So all of this outside stuff is ficus here. And you can still can see that little inside stuff, and there's a tree in there. And then it continues to grow. Show the next slide. And pretty soon, this is what the ficus looks like on the outside. And then if you go on the inside, on the next slide, you can look up into that ficus tree, and there's a hole up that you can see all the way to the top because the original tree is dead. The original tree is rotted and gone. All because it started with one little seed picking off nutrients, energy, dynamic growth from the original. Now, the tricky thing with ficus is that you would look at that, and, and a lot of times ficus are helpful for some of that agriculture and that kind of thing because birds can, it, grow, it gives more opportunities for birds to live there and animals in there, and they're all gnarly and nasty, and so there's a lot more holes and places that, and oftentimes can be even stronger than the, the original tree. And for me, that's the picture of what Satan, when God talks about Satan roars um, around looking to devour people like a lion. Because Satan rarely comes face to face with us and says, God is stupid. God is wrong. God is weak. God is dead. Oftentimes Satan comes to us and implants just a little seed. And it's not even in the ground growing up that we can look and say, boy, that, that's something else growing against me. It's something growing kind of on me. And so we go through life and we look and we say, yeah, that's not that big a deal. It's just I'm creating life even. I'm giving more life to something else. But that life... That spiritual battle is something that's designed to destroy us. And God knows that. So when he says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, then he says, and it's no accident that this is the next verse, but as you're doing that, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm. How do we avoid Satan's power as we're casting it? Because part of it is we have to cast correctly. We have to be able to give away our, our concerns and our sins and, and the burdens that we have and not do it like a fishing pole, but do it like a javelin. But we have to also resist the opportunity for Satan to get in the way. And the best way I know of to do that is to know the original. One of my favorite illustrations of all times is how do you look at and decide, how do you train people how to identify um, faulty money, fake money? They don't ever look at fake money. They look at the real thing. So that when you pick up a fake bill, you know the feel is different, the color is different, there's just something wrong with it. And in reality of everyday life, there's so many things like that where you can go and know when I come and somebody offends me and something in my head says, get them back for that. Make fun of them. If I've been experiencing God and spending time with God, immediately red flags are going off going, whoa, whoa, what? That's not how I want to live. Well, it's maybe how I want to live, but it's not how I'm supposed to live. And so as we look at that, I want to continue to challenge you. Be aware that there's a spiritual battle in this thing. 
And that's part of the reason that God wants us to cast those cares upon him, is so we can deal with those, so we can keep short accounts, so we can take the worry when it's still a trickle in our mind, and we cast it on him so it doesn't, isn't encouraged, it doesn't become a valley where, where worry just runs through our bodies and rips apart everything else. God knows his best. And so for us to know the original and know what his intention was, he has the big picture. We need to seek to understand him and then be understood by other people. Keep short accounts. Put ourselves in a position for God to touch us. And that's one of my favorite catchphrases is put yourself in a position for God to touch you. And I think that's what you're doing this morning. You come here and maybe you're tired. Maybe you got nothing out of it. Maybe you're distracted by the weird guy with a weird knee. Who knows? But you're putting yourself in a position for God to touch you. You're worshiping, you're experiencing communion, you're experiencing fellowship, all of those things. The reason that Kevin was up here talking about the Wednesday night, we're changing to family night stuff, is because we want to be able to put yourself in a position for God to touch you as a family. And again, we don't care if you're a family, as you got kids or not kids, it's a church family. We want to invite everybody. And we're going to address the needs that these are the ways that the ficus seeds that Satan uses to get in your life. And so it's intentional that some of the classes that we're offering are the topics that they are. Wellness is something we struggle with. We live in a culture that's obese and struggling with health-wise, and, and that limits our ability to serve God in a lot of ways. We live in a culture that money is a huge issue. So we're going to talk about money. And what does God tell us about money? We live in a culture where marriages are falling apart all over the place, so we're going to do a, mar- a love and respect class. And whether your marriage is good or bad or starting or end, you know, ending or been all around a long time, there are truths that you can learn from those things. And so, again, it's no, nothing magical about that, but we're putting ourselves in a position for God to touch us because there are ficus seeds that will show up and Satan will use that to devour and say, you know what, your wife was a lot of fun when you, she was younger, but she's not as much fun now. Or your husband, yeah, he doesn't really spend as much time with you. Maybe I need to move on. Or your money. You know, I, I've been really fearful about my money, so maybe I need to not give money to God. Maybe I not, need to God, not give money to other people. That's a ficus seed planting that Satan is using and saying, prowling around looking to devour you. And so we're going to do some of that in the fall, just in the next few weeks, just to, to give us an opportunity to serve Give us an opportunity to put ourselves in a position to cast those anxieties upon him and to be aware that Satan um, moves around like a roaring lion. And even the sermon series, um, Kevin Meyer is our senior pastor. We'll be back next week. He's going to start a sermon, a sermon on marriage myths and look at myths in a marriage and how to be uh, increasingly quality marriages. So even if you have a good marriage or a bad marriage or whatever, there are truths that you can learn from that. The reason we're doing those things is because the Bible tells us to do stuff like this. Because if marriage is, our, is one of our cares, we've got to cast that upon him. We don't always know how to do that. We forget that God is big. We're not sure what the next step is. Or we're fishing. We're throwing it out there and bringing it back. See, my wife is still stupid tomorrow. She's just as stupid as she was today. Well, that's not what God says. God says, take that frustration that I have and chuck that thing upon to him. And he will care for me, and he will give me patience and grace, and maybe even identify things that I need to change in my life. How scary is that?
So I want to encourage you, as a Labor Day holiday, oftentimes it's a, with school and coming back to work, and, and certainly in Minnesota at the end of the summer. It's a time where we can reflect on transition again. Fall is coming. Winter is not far behind. And then we'll hope for another summer after that. But I want to encourage you. Are you casting your cares upon Jesus today? Are you casting your cares upon God like a fishing pole or like a javelin? And are you aware that those ficus seeds are planting themselves in your life that you've got to deal with? Because if you don't deal with them, Satan will use those to just destroy what he created in you. And you'll still be standing, but you're not nothing like that what you were created to be. So that would be my prayer for you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for wisdom in how to do that. I pray for commitment to identify and acknowledge that there are parts of who we are and parts of our existence that are just we just got to deal with. And may we see you as a big enough God that we can cast those cares upon you. In your name I pray. Amen.